Hello again. It's good to see you. A special hello to those worshipers uh, watching with us live stream this morning. We are glad that you are here as well. Um, you here can't fast forward through the sermon. Those days are over, okay? It goes without saying that we've traveled a long road since March of 2020. And I'm of the mind that we need to continue to remind each other how much we've all endured, lest we forget that our world, our nation, this community um, is in a recovery period. And recovery, like rehabilitation or restoration, takes patience and time to return to full capacity and full activity. But here we are, a day of celebration indeed. We preachers will not be preaching to a teleprompter, God willing, ever again. There's, there's nothing harder than, than preaching to a screen in a completely empty sanctuary with no amens, no energy. So here's your chance. We're going to practice again. When I say, can I get an amen? amen? Do it again. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh, good. We are back. Back in this pulpit. Feel a little jittery. I mean, it feels a little bit like the first day of school. Um, but I'm filled with gratitude that the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is here, and I just need to get out of her way. Will you pray with me? Loving God, creative spirit, guide us this day as you've been guiding us every day. May we encounter, in, encounter you in your word. May we be found by you as we seek to follow the voice we hear that is your own. In the name of your faithful Son, Jesus, we trust and pray. Amen. Ian and I chose to open the summer with a series um, from the fifth chapter of Galatians, and we're calling it Living in the Spirit. Our Pentecost Sunday was two Sundays ago. Dr. Hulak preached a great sermon. Pentecost is, Pentecost is the 50th day after Easter, when the church celebrates the earth-shattering coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, on March 8, 2020, the day we celebrated the installation, or the staff likes to call the coronation, of Pastor Ian, officially to the role of co-pastor of Montview Church, who would have guessed that that would have been the last Sunday we'd meet again for 64 Sundays. We walked out of the building that day, but the Spirit came with us because the Holy Spirit is not bound to any building. Our return to worship in this beautiful, historic sanctuary matters, though. It matters to us. Being here invites us to imagine what God is doing in our lives, in this place, in Montview Church on the corner of Montview and Dahlia. And what does it mean for Montview Church to continue to be a living, breathing sanctuary out in the world following the Spirit of Christ? 
We go out into the world to serve, but now we get to come back into this space together to be nourished and refilled and held up by one another, to be sent out again. What does living in the Spirit, according to the Apostle Paul, mean for us today as we return to this space? Paul's words have spanned over the centuries, giving guidance to communities of faith. Over the next month or so, we will unpack Paul's passionate message about freedom in Christ that we live with freedom in Christ. We will focus on the fruit of the Spirit from chapter 5, exploring the qualities of the lives of followers of Jesus when they allow, when we allow the Holy Spirit to be moving in us and through us. We hope that we might all grow in our awareness of the Spirit's movement in these tangible, visible ways that we walk and talk and play and work and drink and serve together. Growing our awareness of the Holy Spirit in our lives is vital to the spiritual life. So let's get started. As Barbara Streisand sang in Funny Girl, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. And this pandemic has taught us we need people. People need people. Extroverts for sure need people. And even introverts need people. Paul's starting point for every church that he, that he started and that he uh, loved so much, he talked about the, the emphasis of the community over the individual. That the community is as important as the individual members of a body. In the past year, I know many of you, or some of you, I'd love to see a show of hands, have gotten into Peloton. Do we know that, some of you? Yeah, some of you. All the youngins in the, <laughs> in the back. For those of you who don't know about Peloton, it's based on workout routines utilizing a high-tech stationary bike and that digital, digitally connects with other athletes live across the country. People are engaged in exercise classes together without leaving their homes. I hope that's a fair um, analysis. This has become a wildly popular um, exercise method. And I think because at its core, the company Peloton understands that people need people. And Peloton is the French word meaning pack, or platoon, or group. A Peloton is a community. And so we need spiritual Pelotons. Returning to church is like returning to a spiritual Peloton. We are coming back to this place, this space, on screen or in the building, because we know we need a pack. We need a group. We need a peloton to grow deeper in our faith. The best way to practice the spiritual life um, as athletes model for us is to be disciplined. Now, even I understand one who 
does not like to exercise and would never consider herself an athlete, even I understand that I can't sit on the couch and just visualize physical exercise and expect physical results. I have tried that. It does not work. I have to get off the couch. I have to move my body. And it's the same way for living in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul talks about. The fruit, singular, not plural. He speaks of his, if it's evidence when, the, when we practice, when the practices are incarnated. Paul lays out nine manifestations of the Spirit, and he begins by saying, love is the starting point. Love is the law which bears visible fruit. What does love look like in the flesh? Love looks like joy. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, generosity, and self-control. So here's the key to what Paul is saying. The fruit of the Spirit are practices and the results of practice. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. So when we see joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and so on, when we see those evident in a person's life or in a community, we know that the Spirit is present, that the Spirit is moving because the Spirit always reveals itself in these ways. Our inside and our outside become, become shaped by what we do. We practice patience and we become patient people. We practice joy and joy begins to emanate from us. We practice generosity with our time and our talents and our treasures. We become open-hearted and open-handed people. We become free people as we practice the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we know when a person is free because free people laugh more easily. And free people don't hold grudges. Free people let go of slights and offenses. Free people don't act out in fits of anger. Free people don't demand their own way. Free people hold their tongue. Free people are able to demonstrate love to those who are not easy to love. Now, will we ever be completely free from wrestling with selfish desires and temptations Paul lists as the works of the flesh? Well, clearly, no. We will never stop being human as long as we have breath. And Paul's list is pretty weighty, these lists of the works of the flesh, he calls them. And they can be understood as self-indulgences or self-centered compulsions that we cannot ourselves control. Someone from the 930 service reminded me that all of those in a little moderation aren't that bad, right? <laughs> I said, well, maybe. Paul says when the manifestations of self-indulgence 
have taken control of a person, it becomes obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, and enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, Paul says. These manifestations are the signs and symptoms of wounded lives, of lives that are hurting, of lives that are ill within an individual or in a community. Unhealthy behaviors reveal an attempt to fill what St. Augustine called the God-shaped void in each life. We think, you'd think, Paul would lambaste uh, those who do such things in that list. But in chapter 6, Paul tells the church to respond to those who are struggling, not with condemnation, but with gentleness. Paul was intentional to include in his list every kind of vice. No one can escape it. Maybe you don't struggle with sorcery or licentiousness, but what about anger or envy or quarreling or wishing ill will on your neighbor? When our heart's desire to know God grows deeper and fuller and more expansive, we can trust it is the Spirit beckoning us to maturity, and it's the same Spirit empowering us and helping us to live lives of faith. The deepest truth of our existence, of your existence, is this. You are the beloved, and you are becoming the beloved. For freedom Christ has set us free, said Paul. For you were called to freedom, siblings in Christ. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence but through love become servants to one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, be guided by the Spirit. What an adventure we've embarked on. May we lean in to discover where life in the Spirit is going to lead us. Thanks be to God.